Welcome to One Church. Regrets. We all have them. Whether it be something from last week, last year, or decades ago, we long to make things right, to change direction, to begin again. The good news is this. You can start over. You can actually learn to love your regrets. Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. Happy almost new year. Hope you guys had a good Christmas, and uh, we're just a couple of days away from ringing in 2019. So uh, I want to thank you guys for pulling out your phones and can and typing in Connect One C to 97,000. It's just another way. It's a brand new way that we're trying to stay connected to everybody who calls OneChurch.tv home uh, so that when we have to cancel services because of snow or we have an event coming up or anything like that, it's just another way that we can be able to reach out with you. So if you have those phones out and handy, I would encourage you to do two other things with them and not play Candy Crush. Okay. The first one, if you haven't done it already, is go ahead and go to the Google Play or App Store and you can download our OneChurch.tv app. Uh, one of the things that I do is I'm worshiping over here while you guys are worshiping there is I am actually watching live through the OneChurch.tv app and uh, able to interact with a lot of the people who can't come to One Church. I know Miss Deb uh, watches every Sunday from Dallas, Texas, and we're so glad to have you a part of uh, OneChurch.tv, Miss Deb, and so many others who call OneChurch.tv their home who don't even live in the state of Tennessee. How cool is that? So go ahead and download the OneChurch.tv app. It's a free download, and you can go through and you can give through that. Um, you can actually watch uh, all 12 years worth of sermons, uh, which is if you're struggling with insomnia or you're going to sleep, I mean, totally can help out with that. Also, uh, another thing that could really change your heart and change your 2019 is download the Bible app. Download the Bible app. If you haven't done that already, you really need to. Uh, I just got finished uh, going through 2018 of reading through the entire Bible in 2018. I finished like a couple of days ago, and I just started another one-year plan to read through the entire Bible. And so glad I holler out to my friend Brent here, uh, man, who's there. Him and I have been doing this together, Mike Byer, as well as my wife. We've been reading through this uh, this uh, series of going through the Bible chronologically. And I can tell you, this this can help make you be consistent in how you uh, read and interact with Scripture because that can change your life. It really can. So I encourage you to do that. So today we're starting a new series entitled Regrets. Regrets. And I got to be honest with you, I, as I was struggling through this series, and I wrote this series about four months ago, uh, I knew this was going to be kind of a hard-hitting, very heavy series. So I wanted to start off kind of light. So I was trying to think through some of my past regrets, and I could not think of a one. So my mom just laughed, by the way. Um, uh, so I texted my wife. And I texted my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, um, I am starting this new series on regrets, but I can't think of any kind of funny regrets. Uh, can you kind of help me out? And immediately, immediately, my phone starts blowing up. I get nine text messages of, of stupid stuff that I have done that I'm going to share with you now, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, my wife says this, you should regret turning me down uh, for a date when I gave you that card saying that I liked you. That was my freshman year in college. We have been married 25 years, 
and I'm still living through this. All right, uh, she says this, you should definitely regret going on a date with Amy Johnson from Murfreesboro, if you're listening, Amy. Amy Johnson from Murfreesboro, who threw butter all over you during your supper at uh, the, the old spaghetti factory. I do regret that. Amy Johnson at 412, I'm just joking. Anyway, uh, she says, or how about this? You should regret this. You should regret that mullet. By the way, Ashley Streeter, how many of you know Ashley Streeter? She's normally a very nice person, but she texted in while I was preaching. She said, you should regret that tie. And I'm like, I still got that tie. So, so anyway, that was kind of funny. I thought of Ashley. Uh, she says this. Uh, Kim uh, texted in. She said, what about the time you put your hand in a trash can and you got bit by a possum? And I can totally remember that. I remember putting my hand in a trash can and something glatching on and me pulling out. And there's this big mama possum. I still have a scar right there. And she has babies all over. And my dad took a shovel and killed that sap-sucking thing. Now, if you're from PETA, I want to let you know that I have no regrets of that possum dying. You need to know that, all right? I mean, I've, had, I've said stupid stuff from here, from stage. Um, and I, I so want to say some of this stuff. I said some of it first service. You may want to go back and listen to it. But I, I've said dumb things from stage. Um, uh, I've said stupid stuff that I've regretted. I've preached about things that I've regretted. I remember Mother's Day a few years ago. Um, uh, we did a, like a text questions in, and we're going to do that all uh, periodically through 2019. But it's where you text us in questions. And my number's on the screen. And of course, you can text it in there. But somebody texted in questions. And here's what the question Granted, this was Mother's Day. What, when was it? Mother's Day, they text in the question, I'm in the army. I spent a lot of time from, away from my wife. Is masturbation wrong? And I'm like, I'm supposed to answer this on Mother's Day? And I did. Horrific. All right? So anyway, there is a, there is a website called uh, secretregrets.com. So I'd encourage you to go to it. Uh, it is pretty uh, it is pretty eye-opening. And uh, in this website, secretregrets.com, where people publicly post regrets that they might never say out loud. Let me read you a couple of these. My biggest regret is not going to my dad's funeral when he died. I was so mad at him when he killed himself. Now, I understand where he was at mentally and what made him do that. I regret not saying goodbye. What about this other one? I regret falling in love with the wrong woman. She's a cheater, and I'm certain that she still sleeps with the majority of the men in her life. I can't trust her, yet I can't stop loving her. I regret it all. Another one. I regret leaving my life, my wife, for another woman. We built a beautiful family, and I left it all for another marriage that's harder than the first. I think I was just so confused, so I ran away. Life is not greener on the other side. I regret the impact this may, must have had on my young teenage kids when I went through my midlife crisis. I will live the rest of my life in complete guilt, and I will forever be sorry. Here's another one. My biggest regret in life is when I didn't let the police arrest my abusive mother. This is a regret of not doing something. I didn't I let, the, the, let the police arrest my abusive mother after she assaulted me one night when I'd finally worked up the courage to call for help. Maybe my brother wouldn't have died at her hands just a short year later. 
Those are true stories of life that's lived through the lens of regret. And as you read some of this stuff, it's gut-wrenching because we all have regrets. I have regrets. You have regrets. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. But every regret is unique. The sorrow we feel in response to our regrets is deeply personal, and I think you, we can all put our regrets into one of three categories. The first one is the regret of action. The regret of action. What is that? Well, the regret of action is simply when we do something dumb. How many of y'all have ever done something dumb? That should be all of us raising our hands, right? We've all done things that make us smack our forehead and go, shouldn't have done that right? But I wish I'd never said that. I wish I'd never done that. Lies that we've told, relationships that we torpedoed, dumb choices we made, rage we've unleashed, money we've blown, addictions we've fed. I'm telling you, I've done some of those things where things that I've said, things that I've said to somebody else or even to my family, and I wish I could take them back, but you can't. Other times it takes me longer to realize the mistakes I've made. Action regrets make up the majority of our regrets, if you think about it. Stupid things that we've done. Here's another one, though. The regrets of inaction. This is the regret of not doing something. Wish we would have done something, but we didn't. In fact, we've all heard the poet, you've heard this poem, simply says this. For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, What? It might have been. Researchers say that short-term, people tend to regret actions uh, where stuff that we've done, but in the long term, we're more likely to regret inactions, opportunities we've missed, time we've wasted, risk we didn't take, love we left unexpressed, words not spoken, and forgiveness we withheld. Many people, when they evaluate their regrets, it falls in regrets of action, dumb stuff that we've done, regrets of inaction, things that we should have done, but the last one is the most painful of all, and that's the regrets of reaction. And regrets of reaction, and when somebody has done something hurtful to us, we didn't cause it, we couldn't control it, but somebody just did something hurtful to us. And we ask and we think through stuff like that accident that I was in. Maybe you didn't cause it, but somebody hit you and you're still living with the pain, the illness that you received. Maybe you got the word cancer and you're still reeling. Your life is kind of split into two or your life was before cancer and now your life after cancer. Or maybe the abuse that you received how neglected you were, the rejection you felt, the betrayal you experienced. These are all things that we didn't cause, but somebody forced on us. And sometimes these regrets of reaction are the ones that hurt the most. I want you to listen to a story of Jacqueline, a true person on this video who really talks a lot about the regrets of reaction, the regret of somebody abusing her. Listen to her story. Hi, my name is Jacqueline, and this is my starting over story. My mother migrated from Guatemala uh, to the United States, and I was born in Boston. Uh, when I was two, we moved to Chicago after my parents had separated. My mom was pretty much the entryway to all our family from Guatemala to migrate to, to the United States. So we never had a home where it was just a mom and dad and 
the kids. It was cousins, aunts, uncles, um, and so on, and neighbors from back home. Because of that, there was a access uh, to a lot of abuse uh, for a child, and, and physically or emotionally and sexually. I kind of found myself in, in a sexual abuse situation from about four to about 12. At the age of 12, I told my mom, you know, what had happened. I don't believe that she didn't believe me. I don't, I believe that she didn't want to believe me. And so not growing up with my father, I think that's what, what made me gravitate to certain people that were not good for me and that just set me up to have a failed relationship after a failed relationship after another failed relationship because I was always searching for that fatherly love. For me, it wasn't like, why, why did you leave my mother? It was, why didn't you protect me you know, when I was a child? The reason that it all kind of came to light is because I had started a relationship with a man, and that's where it all came back, and I had to tell this man, and I was 12, that, that he wasn't the first one to touch me in, in the way that that was happening. And so this man um, was eight years older than me, um, And at the time, I decided to start a relationship with this man that was eight years older than me, um, who became the father of my child. I was 16 when I got pregnant. I was 17 when I had him. Three months later, he was, after he was born, I left this man when I turned 18. Still dealing with the anger and still dealing with the self-destruction because I was still doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, but I was still very present in parenting. Go to work, uh, come home, be the single mom, put him to bed, and then go out at night. And then come back home before Devon woke up. And so that was kind of like my routine from like Thursday to Sunday. Growing up as a child, we knew about God and we heard about God. I kind of knew, you know, you have the the, the notion that there is a higher being, but there is no relationship, there's no example or anyone really teaching that to me. You know, when you hear Jacqueline's story, you're really able to see something that we call the sorry cycle. She had this longing to have a relationship with her father. And because that wasn't there, it led her to make some really bad choices when it comes to other men, which caused more longing in her heart and her life, which caused her to make more bad choices that led to regret. And it just went into this cycle. And it's like a merry-go-round that keeps on going around so fast, and it just makes you sick. And, and psychologists have a term for getting stuck in our regrets, and it's, recalled, it's called rumination. Rumination. Can you say that word? Rumination. Uh, another way we could say it down here in the South, it's like a cow chewing its cud. Here's a video of a cow chewing its cud. It's pretty nasty. Uh, let me kind of share with you um, uh, what a, a cow does when it chews its cud, right? It, it, it chews hay, it chews the, the grass, it swallows it, and then it regurgitates it. How many of y'all are glad you came to one church today? 
and, uh, and, and, it, and it chews on it some more, and then it regurgitates it, and it just keeps on, and it just keeps on doing that. How many of y'all are craving beef right now? What's for dinner? All right, so it's one of those things. That's what our regrets and our worries can do. We bring it up, and we chew on it for a while, and then we swallow it, and then we bring it back up, and we chew it on it for a while, and we get stuck in the sorry cycle. Listen to how Melanie Greenberg says this. Regret can have damaging effects on our mind and bodies. When regret turns into rumination and self-blame, listen to this, it keeps us from what? Fully engaging what? Life. And for some of you, 2018, you really weren't fully engaged in life. In fact, for some of you, you can say that for the past years. The reason why we're doing this series now, December 30th, 2018, is we want 2019 for you to be fully engaged in life. And that's only going to happen when you recognize and face and deal with your regrets. So let me ask the question, what regrets did you walk in here with today? Is it regrets of action? You've done some dumb stuff. Regrets of inaction? You, you wished you would have acted, but you didn't. Or maybe somebody has just harmed you. If Whichever one it is, I'm so excited that you're here to starting over. Because over the next five weeks, we're going to learn from Jacqueline. We're going to learn from some of my stupid mistakes. And I believe that this series is for each and all of us because all of us have regrets. Much of this content we're going to learn, I'm really excited about. Like I said, I wrote it like four or five months ago. But I'm really encouraging you guys to make sure you get into a community group. Because it's in communion group where we're really going to be talking a lot about this. In fact, as you leave today, we always provide small group questions for you. Or if you want to go on the onechurch.tv uh, app, you can get them there. There are videos that you can watch through all five weeks of this series that you can kind of get deeper into the content. Uh, in fact, today, there is actually a TED Talk that you can be able to interact with about regrets today. But I would encourage you, make sure to pick up those resources. Sources. Because over the next five weeks, we're going to help you learn how to recognize specific regrets. We're going to help you release regrets to God. And then finally, we're going to learn to show you how to, to actually be able to see your regrets as an opportunity for God to move. I'm really excited about that. Here's our big idea today. We preach one-point messages here at onechurch.tv, and here it is. We can start over and live a life beyond regret. We can start over and live a life beyond regret. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to say this out loud, out loud, but instead of saying the we, I want you to say, I can start over. Can we do that? Here we go. I can start over and live a life beyond regret. That's what I want you to experience today. And the best way we can experience that is going to God's Word and digging into a guy we know as Peter or Simon Peter, one of the best friends and 12 disciples of Jesus. We're going to look at two scenes from his life where he experienced great regret and how Jesus was able to help him get out of the sorry cycle. Let's look at those first scenes. That first scene, Peter is standing around a charcoal fire a charcoal fire. It's late at night. 
and guards and curious bystanders are outside. Peter is real close to the high priest's home. Jesus has just been arrested and dragged before the religious leaders. He's bound. Tension is filling the air. And everybody knows violence will soon follow. People are questioning Jesus inside the home, and they're striking him. Which one struck you now, prophet? And they're taking chunks of his beard and pulling it out. And while that is happening to Jesus inside, Peter is outside warming his hands by this charcoal fire. It's that time that somebody comes to him and says, Hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? We recognize you. You helped with the, the loaves and the fish thing, didn't you? No, that's not me, Peter says. I don't know the man. And then a little girl comes by and says, yeah, yeah, your accent gives you away. We, we can tell that you're from South Galilee. You say a lot of y'alls. And I'm telling you, that's not me, Peter says. I don't know Jesus. Get away from me. And as he continues to warm himself by this charcoal fire, another person says, you were with him. And, G and Peter cusses and says, I blankety blank, don't know the man. And immediately when that happened, a rooster crowed. Listen to what Luke chapter 22 says. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, look at this, weeping bitterly. All around that charcoal fire, Peter instantly feels the flames of regret. He can't believe what he's just done. And after everything Jesus had said, he had promised Jesus, I will never leave you. Peter said, I will never, I will never deny you. And, P and Jesus is like, you don't know what you're talking about. Three times, here coming up this next morning, you will do that. And Peter just absolutely said, that's not going to happen. And some of us know what that feels like, don't we? We promised God, and we said, this, is the, this next year I'm going to, and you just fill in the blank. Or if you allow me to, then I will, and we make these promises to God. So Jesus is beaten. He's crucified the next morning. Can you imagine the sorrow burned on Peter's soul as his closest friend is laid to rest in that tomb? And three days later, when Peter hears the rumor that, oh yeah, Jesus is now alive, he really still can't rejoice because he still carries the regret and the shame and the weight of his failure. Many of us, we can imagine what that feels like. Different circumstances, but we've been there. That's scene one. Scene two. Let's go to that one. See, because as we move from scene one to scene two, Peter could have gotten stuck there in that sorry cycle, but Jesus wouldn't let him stay there. And that's where we move on to the second scene of Peter's story. We find Peter at a lake. He's fishing because that's what he does. He's there with a couple of his buddies, and he's been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. Apparently, he's not really good at his job. And he hears somebody on the shore says, 
Put your nets on the right side. So Peter does that. And when he throws the net out, it almost capsizes the boat how much fish is caught in the net. Peter glances back to the man on the beach and he dives in head first because he knows it can only be one person. It's his Lord. It is Jesus. And he swims as, as quickly as he can. He, didn't, he forgot even to put on his robe. He gets to and walking on the pebble beach and there Jesus is cooking fish for all of his friends over a charcoal fire. And as the smell of that charcoal goes to Peter's, Peter's nose, it makes him think of what he had just come through and the betrayal that he had said. John chapter 21, this is where we pick up. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Of course I do, Jesus. And then Peter asked the question again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, you know I do, Jesus, said Peter. And then in verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Not once, not twice, but three times, Jesus asked the question, Simon, Peter, do you love me? And not once, not twice, but three times, Peter replies back, yes, I do. Those three questions correspond perfectly to Peter's three denials. Jesus is doing something in this exchange to help Peter break from the sorry cycle. And the first one is simply this, that Jesus is confirming the relationship. You see, implied in Jesus' question, Simon, do you love me, is the priceless reassurance, because I still love you. We know, when we know that we are loved, we can find the courage to face our regrets, because Jesus didn't chastise Peter, not once. Jesus didn't rehash what Peter did. Do you know what you've done? No, no. He didn't even blow it off as no big deal. He didn't give Peter the cold shoulder. No, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, affirms his love for Peter and gives Peter the opportunity to affirm his love back to him. He confirms the relationship. Second thing that Jesus does is he confirms Peter's purpose. After each affirmation of love comes this charge, feed my sheep. Now that kind of sounds weird to us, but you have to remember Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And, G and what Jesus is doing is commissioning Peter to join him in carrying out his mission in this world. By giving Peter a J-O-B, a job, he, Jesus is saying, Peter, you still have a purpose to fulfill. Peter, you are not disqualified. Peter, I am not done with you. I want you to feed and care for my followers. In this scene between Jesus and Peter is one of the most spectacular interchanges in the entire Bible because Jesus refuses to give up on Peter. And let me simply say this one, church. If he did that to Peter, God refuses to give up on you. He refuses to allow your regrets to disqualify you. He refuses to allow your, you to just ruminate and sit and soak and sour in the sorry cycle of your regrets. 
He is confirming his relationship with you because God is for you. He confirms Peter's calling, and God is whispering in your ear right now, you still have a job to do. I'm still calling you to something bigger than yourself, that you can move past regret and start over. And here's what you and I have to understand today. What Jesus did for Peter, he wants to do for you. Because if you're stuck in a regret of action, of something dumb that you did, your heavenly father is whispering you, I love you no matter what. Nothing can ever change how I feel about you. Nothing can ever separate my love from you. If you're stuck in regret of inaction, of something you should have done and you haven't, God is simply saying, it's not over yet. I'm not done with you yet. If you're stuck in regret of reaction, somebody has done something horrific to you, your heavenly Father is whispering to you this morning, you are not damaged goods. I have plans and purposes for your life that's yet to be seen or fulfilled. What God did for Peter, he wants to do for you. He wants to confirm the relationship he has with you, and he wants to confirm his calling on your life. Today can be the day where you can start over. Just like Peter, it was when Jacqueline met Jesus that she got unstuck from her regrets. Let's continue finishing her story. During that time, um, I met a man who gave me a chance, and that was the beginning of a career change, a lifestyle change. I started caring more about my job and my son and my well-being than the partying, the drugs, and the alcohol. My oldest sister, um, her name is Shenny, she goes to work one Wednesday evening and ha suffers a brain aneurysm rupture. And by Friday, she was declared brain dead. And so that was the biggest earthquake of my life. I had lost my best friend. And my cheerleader. So that rocked me. And I didn't know how to deal with this but to suppress it, just to ignore it. Eight months later, I have a mental breakdown. And I decide I'm done. And so I attempt suicide January. Two days later, after I come out, my nephew Steve collapses uh, at work. He needed a new kidney. And so when I learned about the living donor, I put my name on the list. He needed a second chance at life, and I think I needed a second chance at life, a purpose. And so I think God uses this to give me my second chance. I call my mom, and I said, Mom, I gotta go to church. And so I go to church that Friday, and I ask for prayer. I was very scared, I was terrified. And so I asked God into my life, and I told him, I asked Jesus, if you are real, if God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is all real, then give me this. Give me him healthy, me healthy, and then we're going to walk out of this operation on Monday together. I told him, I will be yours. I will give my life to you. I will serve you. So you make me useful. And... 
And we walked out on Monday. After the surgery and, and seeing that he did come through for me, I said, okay, well, this is serious. <laughs> so I started learning, and I just dug myself into scripture. That started a journey of healing for me. Every day is an opportunity for me to start over. Um, every day I still mess up. Every day I can probably still go back to think about those things. It's not over, mm. but, but I have a choice to start over every day, every morning. Did you hear what Jacqueline said? That every day you have a choice to start over. You know, listening to her story is just so heart-wrenching because we all know people who have been abused. We all know people who thought there was no other way out but to take their life. In fact, dare I say, there may be some people in here this morning, you know how that's felt. I know how that feels. Many times... And we feel like in church that we have to come and we have to put on these plastic smiles and everybody's happy and we say, how are you doing? I'm fine. But many times we're not fine. And you don't have to hide it. One of the things that we say a lot here at One Church TV is many times there's not, there's not any easy answers. But the one thing that we're going to do is we're going to walk with you through this. And the thing I like about Jacqueline's story is that when she saw her regret and she thought of her regret, she didn't think of it as a finish line. She thought of it as a starting line. I mean, she didn't think of this as, okay, this is done. She says, no, this is where I can begin again. You see, regret is actually meant to be a helpful thing, a functional uh, emotion. It gives us motivation to see things differently, to do things differently, to make things right. A journalist by the name of Catherine Schultz, in fact, that TED Talk I mentioned, she ends her 14-minute TED Talk with this quote, and I love it. Regrets don't remind us that we did badly. It reminds us that we can do what? Do better. And that way, you and I, we can learn to love our regrets because they can launch us forward into a better future. And that's exactly what Jesus did for Peter. See, the last thing Jesus says to Peter around that charcoal fire is this, follow me. And he invites Peter on this journey to live a life beyond his regrets. And that's the journey he wants to take you on and he wants to take me on through the rest of this series, dare I say through the rest of our life, a journey where we can learn to actually love our regrets and recognize them and start over. Here's where we're going to go. Next week, we're going to talk about how to recognize our regrets. Because honestly, here's what most of us do, especially when we come to church. We, put, we, we actually bury our regrets. We try to hide them. And when we bury them alive, anything buried alive is going to want to come back to life and dig its way out, right? Walking dead people. Just saying, right? And that's what happens with our regrets. So we're going to learn next week that we're going to quit hiding from our regrets. We're going to quit running from our regrets. We're going to quit ruminating on our regrets, and we're just going to recognize them. And in two weeks, we're going to learn how to release our regrets. And that happens through forgiveness, of forgiving yourself, of forgiving maybe what somebody has done to you, and maybe, dare I say, even sometimes forgiving God of how maybe you thought this was supposed to play out in your mind and it didn't. And then three weeks from today, 
We're going to show you how God wants to redeem your regrets. That word redeem is kind of a churchy word, but it just means to be able to make right. And and what it means is he's going to take your plan B or maybe your plan C or your third marriage or your fourth marriage, and he's going to make it his plan A. Only God can do that, right? Where we can screw something up so badly and it can be a tangled ball of yarn, and yet when you flip it over, we see God's amazing picture of love and grace. That can only happen when we redeem our regrets. It was the Danish philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard who once explained it this way. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. So here's how we're going to close today. We got this song that we taught you guys earlier, and we're going to sing it again. But here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. If you've made any regrets in your life, I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and stand up. All right, go ahead and stand up. And by the way, that should be all of us. And here's what I'm going to invite us to do as we stand. I'm going to ask all of us to be able to close our eyes. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some regrets. And if that's you, if you've done these, I just want you to lift your hand. And I want the freedom for you to be able to do that without people's prying eyes looking around. Okay? So let's, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe your regret is a relational regret. Perhaps you wish that you would have loved better or been loved better by someone else. And if your regret is relational, would you just raise your hand? Okay. Maybe it was a father, a mother. Okay. And put them down. Perhaps your regret is a regret of health. Perhaps you wish you had taken better care of yourself, or you're struggling with the why questions over what's happening to you. If your regrets are related to health, would you just raise your hand? Go ahead and do that now. Okay, thank you. See you. See you, sir. What about this? You're stuck in a financial regret. You wish you had been smarter about your money. You wish you had made different choices about debt and decisions. If your regret is financial, let me just see your hands. Anyone? All right, I see you. Yes, sir, I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. Nobody looking around. I just want to encourage you. Don't let another season go by without you getting the tools to help you get out of debt. That's what Financial Peace University is. So make sure to take hold of that. And second to last, if perhaps your regret relates to purpose, you wish you had taken a different path of your life, you wish your life would have been given to a bigger cause. If it's around purpose, just lift up your hand. All right, I see you, ma'am. Lastly, maybe your regret is a spiritual regret. promised God, you promised God, and yet you look back over your life and you really haven't gotten any closer to God than when you were just a child. If you have regrets spiritually, let me just see your hands. Yeah, yeah, a lot of us, that's us, isn't it? My encouragement to you as we sing this song, there's a verse you can all look at me now. You don't have to bow your heads. There's a verse from Lamentations. Lamentations is kind of a weird name. It means crying. And many times that's what happens when we have regrets, isn't it? 
we shed tears. But Lamentations 3.23 says this. That God's faithfulness are new every morning. Everybody look at your watches. What time is it? Is it still morning? Guess what? That that means his faithfulness is here for you today. They are new every morning. And then it goes on to say this. Great is your faithfulness. Y'all remember that old hymn we used to sing? Great is thy faithfulness. Mercy's new every morning. Love that. So here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. The reason why we're doing this series today, December 30th, is because we want to launch you into a new future. We want you to engage with life in 2019. So I'm going to ask you, before you leave, go to that Bible app. Pick a plan. There's a plan today called Starting Over that you can look at in our event section. But whatever you need to do, take a step towards your Heavenly Father. And I promise you, He will take a step towards you. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for how you love us with a love that will never let us go. And God, I pray that today that we would stop ruminating and just soaking in our regrets. And Lord, that you would allow us to change. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.